I just got a facial today, by the way, fellas, for the first time. I, was, I didn't know if we was allowed to talk while. Yeah, we can talk. Talk. I just, I no just, uh, I just sort of uh, spread my news of the day whenever this thing goes on. I have a facial. I think I look, look kind of, I look facially right. Look, like I got a new. Oh, okay. Something. I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't listen to a word you was talking about right there. <laughs> like once, we found, once I found out that we could talk, I was like, cool. Let me get to mine instead. You know, talking. Well, I remember just talking about my my beautiful. Yeah, we're talking about my face. You can talk about your whatever. You know, go for it. Go for it. No, nobody so, cares. Whatever. Sometimes, so, sometimes you ain't got to talk about it. All you got to do is look at the camera. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Being being cute might be new to David Dennis, but I've been. Doing I mean, this, hey, so. hey, you know, you know, I'm, I'm brand new. I'm brand new out here. You know, this is debatable. I'm Dominique Foxer. That's David Dennis, who has just got some attention, I guess, on the streets. I don't know what happened, but he wanted to know he's cute, and that is our friend Bomani Jones. Welcome back to the program, brother Mish. I appreciate it, man. It was funny. I was hanging out with you this afternoon, and I realized at some point when you kept saying, I got to go to do debatable, I was like, oh, he has no idea. I'll surprise him. <laughs> yeah, I did until I got home and looked at the rundown. It was like, oh, look. <laughs> we both looking guy. at each other like, why, why, like, shouldn't this have come up? Yeah. <laughs> I just had lunch with that fella. All right, Alabaster, what's up, man? All right, guys, we are going to talk about the least dramatic, most dramatic saga in the NBA. And my question for you all, are you starting to get annoyed by Damian Lillard and his dalliance with the trade market? I don't get how this can be annoying. So maybe I'm stepping on y'all before you get to it. Maybe there is a reason to be annoyed by this. But this doesn't seem annoying at all to me. This man is, uh, is trying to use his leverage to get the things that he wants. The same thing we all do or people who have power and influence do. And it doesn't seem to bother me. I, I guess I just can't wrap my head around um why this would irritate anyone especially when we in the content business guys we in them dog days Hold up. that's not about to say that's what i say right now i don't understand why people acting like we don't need that man you know what i'm saying like like at a time like this yeah. i was trying to figure out what to do with my show on monday and i talked about dane lillard because it was literally the only thing that I could think of that came up. I understand the College World Series is enjoying a bit of a boost, but I ain't watching that. I'm not there, but see, this is the thing to me about the Dame story, and I don't get how people are so annoyed, but I guess they are annoyed because you need to be annoyed in the content business, right? It has to have right. some sort of emotional resonance. What it feels like to me, he wants something that he can't have, which is, he wants the Portland Trailblazers to be a winning team with him. And they are simply incapable of doing such a thing. Like, it ain't going to happen there. He also has the issue of he's the dude that's not going to make a stink. And when you're not going to make a stink, they ain't going to do a damn thing. Because, unfortunately, the number one guy in principle in management seems to be don't make nobody mad. And once you say you're not going to be mad, then they worry about all the other stuff, right? Like, that's what the game turns out to be. So if you want to win, you just got to leave. There's, there's, there's no in-between. There's no story they can give you about what they're going to do for the team or whatever. You really think the Trailblazers about to win? I don't. So you got to say you want to dip. You got to leave or at least threaten to leave to make them do the things that you want them to do. Well, there's only, the only option is I want to go because he can't like really threaten to leave. I mean, he can leave the office, but he can't just he can't just be like I got a job somewhere else. You got to look as, as as somebody who showed up 
at Around the Horn, and we talked about Braves Reds, followed by College World Series, followed by uh, the Mets losing. Uh, thank you, Dame Lillard. Please draw this out for as long as humanly possible. We need you. Uh, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm just like not a cynical dude here. Maybe it's a millennial, millennial thing. Maybe I resonate with Dame. I think maybe this is a legitimate, difficult decision for the guy. I think maybe like this is something that's tough for him and tough for management. I think like there's there is something here that they are trying to work out together. And like neither one of us wants to be the first to say goodbye. And that's what this feels like. This does not feel like leverage. It just feels like a, a legitimately tough decision. Well, hold on. The Trailblazers don't want to say goodbye, though. That dude sells tickets. They yeah. do not. They want him to be there as long as he is willing to be there. Also, they had a chance to draft the dude that people think might become like a top five, top 10 player in the NBA. They felt like they couldn't pass up on that. But if he was going to mm -hmm. do this around Dame, that was your chance. That was your opportunity. You had to do that. Instead, you got Scoot and Shaden Sharp. Looks like it could be a fantastic future. Dame ain't talking about no future. I bet it is tough for him. It's only tough, though, if you try to have all of it. And you got to decide, do I want to win? If you want to win, you have to leave. Yeah, I mean, well, oh, wait, 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 wait. What did that say on the screen? The, the dream scenario is that the Blazers are going to sign Jeremy Grant no. and get Draymond no. Green. My bad. Wait a minute. That's Lillard's dream scenario. <laughs> yeah, that's Lillard's, Lillard's dream, Lillard's dream yeah, scenario. Yeah, yeah. yeah Lillard. Um, yeah, that ain't going to win you no championship. He also said something to the effect of he don't want to go to no stacked roster. Like, look, bro. <laughs> there's, there's Stop listening to the internet. Stop situation. listening to the internet. Go I, I, win a championship. It's nothing but losers on Twitter. No, I'm a loser I, on Twitter. Ignore <laughs> us. Go win a championship. Nobody's going to care how you do it. I took that more so as him saying is he's not requiring that he go to a stack roster. Like he wants wow. to go to a team that has a shot, right? He's like, I don't have to go to the best team in the league, comma, but I would like to have a shot. Like that that's how I read that. I thought that he was just simply yeah. making the point that he's I not mean, gonna be that particular. The, the Portland not gonna be able to get nothing for for him though in trade. With all the money that's left on his contract and his age, I mean it's not dissimilar to what happened with Brad Beal, no trade clause notwithstanding. Dave Lillard got a no-trade clause. You can't trade him no place he don't want to go. Like, you go ahead and trade him to Utah and see if he show up. <laughs> yeah, the, the idea that he can have it all is something he has to get over. But I would push back on one thing that you said, David, about um, I think the, what people take issue with is him doing it in the public, which I don't have a problem with. I think that's what people are saying. It's like he's he's uh, hemming and hawing, and it seems obvious that he's not exactly sure what he wants. And the tough thing to listen to the complaints, or tough one of the reasons why it's tough to listen to complaints is – it feels to me like the same people that are mad that LeBron was forcing his way to different towns and forcing people to sign different players and forcing people to trade different things are the same people are, are mad that Damian Lillard is hesitant to force his way out. So it, either way you look at it, he's listening to the Internet people because there are some Internet people that are like, don't switch teams. Player empowerment is bad. You can't force your way out. And then there are similar people who are saying, hey, you, if you want out, you get out. Stop hipping it hard. Stop doing uh, subliminal disses with, with Miami music on your social media. So Dame doesn't strike me as the type of guy who is too much caught up in that social media um, like conversation. But he also needs to be okay with not winning a championship. There are trade-offs in all of your life decisions, bruh. So if you are comfortable, which he's uh, intimated in the past, he's comfortable with having a great career that never ends in the championship, then be fine with it. And don't go ring chasing or go ring chasing. Just do what it is you want to do. And please talk about it all summer. 
the guy just doesn't know. I just think the guy just does yeah. not know. And it's like, and we sort of like, it's our job to tell people what they should do. Like, or we think it's our job to tell people what they should do or what their legacy should be. But the guy just does not know. Like you can go to, I there's a world where you can go to Portland and be the most beloved guy in the Pacific Northwest and everybody respects you. And you are like, no. you know, or but, you go to Miami and win a championship. No, but he's already, he'll always be that guy. Like what he's going to be in Portland is up until this point. Like when your team is bad, people locally understand when you want to mm-hmm. get out, right? Like nobody's uh-huh. going to begrudge him. When it, you know when this moment comes up, he's gonna ask for a trade by the end of the week, because that's what the game theory says is going to happen. There's no other legitimate outcome right. in this. He's going to have to ask for that trade because they're not going to be able. To, he, he's going to have to recognize that the winner there is not possible. And if the solution is to get what's left of Draymond Green and Jeremy Grant, and I'm gonna be honest, Jeremy Grant been playing for teams that I don't watch on cable. For all I know, like you tell me he scored 35 points a game, I'm gonna be like, damn, word. Like I, I don't, I don't want to pretend this. I mean, maybe I'm selling that dude short, but I don't hear Dame Lillard, Jeremy Grant, um, and Draymond Green and the kids and be like, oh, bet, no, no, no. That's the first time anybody's ever said I've been dreaming of Draymond Green in any scenario. I doubt it. You'd be surprised, bro. Um, <laughs> I would. I would say I dream of Draymond Green's money. But, maybe, you know. maybe my. My bias is showing, but the only person in this process that has kind of annoyed me is the general manager who just going to lie to everybody face. They say he's committed to building a winner around yes. Damian Lillard. Mm. No, you not. No, you not. No, every, you not. Every statement he's made has involved the phrase build around Dame and they didn't trade that pick. So, yeah. so if you want to be mad at someone, social media, that's the guy, the one that's lying to everyone else. Damian, Damian Lillard is having this conversation publicly, or he's um, working through his thoughts publicly, which I guess could be annoying, but he ain't lied at any point. Has he lied to any of us about anything? No. Man trying to win there, and he had a chance to potentially bring in a piece to make him win there, and they was like, nope, let's get this guy who is obviously – a piece that you get when you build it to the future, especially when you got Simons and uh, and well, Nurkic is not a piece that you want on the championship team. But anyway, you got young guys, Shaden Sharp and Sharp and Simons. Yeah, huh? Basil want to say something? All right. So <laughs> the only thing I would say is that is there not <laughs> any? <laughs> oh, Basil was pretty good. Yeah, it was good. I like it. Is there uh, is there no part that thinks it's um, that he hasn't really utilized his leverage? And that just leaking information piece by piece through things like the Miami clip or giving stuff to his chosen reporters, that's more annoying than just saying, I want out or I want in. All right. I think the Miami clip was honestly by accident. I really, really do not think those things are connected. I would. I mean, I guess he was on live when it went up. I personally would be embarrassed that people knew I was someplace where they was playing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's that, it right that's, there. That is that why was, you that, leave was, that was the biggest thing no. for me. I'm like, where you at? You know what I'm no, saying? Man. That's what they doing in France. When I was in France, I heard Miss Fat Booty at the coffee shop. I <laughs> like, like I thought they taste was more sophisticated than that. Like, did, did you did you have the Oscar, my dude? I almost said something else right there. But did you have the Oscar, my dude? That was. We that was like, it, I, I, ain't, I ain't been nowhere that played Miami in. 15 years like you should not be in it what were you what were you doing what were you doing there 15 years ago becomes my question oh that's right i was a college white people i was in college that's literally what i was doing 15 years ago yeah i feel like it's a prerequisite of you can go somewhere to be like y'all not playing miami when i walk in here that should be something that i got i got a confession to make uh-oh last week i was in the city of miami 
and at the pool they brought out some people to do like this dance aerobics thing to like entertain the kids and stuff and the first song they played was welcome to miami and the lyrics on that thing are atrocious. Yeah. So I am with you. Damian Lillard, you deserve heavy criticism for exposing us to that. I just want to say this briefly. None of us really have anything good to say about that song or the first single off of that album, Getting Jiggy With It. However, <laughs> nah, nah, my nah, recollection nah, nah. is that he sold something like 6 million copies <laughs> of that record, which is to say somebody lying. <laughs> And right. it's still around. It's yeah. still around. They still playing it. Shout yeah, out to so Nas for uh, writing half of them, them hits. Yes, he did. Album. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I know Charlie said something else about Damian Lillard. Oh, oh yeah. I agree with this idea, though. The trickle's not going to work. You just got to do mm. it, man. Because the trickle, the trickle works if your move is to try to make the team do something. I don't think they're capable of doing anything. Like, I really, really think he's like, baby, please, I really don't want to leave. I really, really don't. I agree with David in that regard. I'm just telling you how this going in. Oh well. All I'll right. Check. I think I think we should end every topic with "I agree with David." But let's, let's <laughs> this might be the one and only. Um, but let's move on to a topic that's pretty, you know, pretty similar to this, which is the trade returns. We just saw John Collins get traded for a rack of basketballs, a bag of pretzels. Bradley Beal um, got traded for. Not what we thought a superstar return would be. What do those trade returns tell you about the future of trades with this new CBA? Yeah, I, I mean, mean, it seemed... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go no, ahead. you got it. You got it. I forgot how uh -uh. things worked here. Nah. <laughs> you, you are passionate. You jumped on it. Now you got to deliver. <laughs> All right. I, I guess I do. Um, John Collins, I just want to say to him, like, if I were in his predicament and you decided that what we had to do was to send me to Utah... I would at least like to feel like you felt bad about it, right? That you felt like it, it was just so overwhelming. Like, otherwise, we wouldn't do you like that. But instead, they said, we're getting Rudy Gay, who I did not know was still an NBA player. I can't, like, I am stunned by the idea that they couldn't get anything back for him for that. And he's been on the trade market for, like, three years, right? Like, I am sure that there was a time where they certainly could have gotten more from him than they can now. Like, if this is what the trade game is going to be, wow. Like, we weren't that long ago where everybody was getting you three first-round picks. Like, didn't Porzingis get traded to Dallas with three first-round picks in the package? Everybody Rudy was getting for, three first-round picks. Rudy went for four. Rudy, Rudy Gobert. That, with, I still we don't. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> what a horrific decision. Wow, boy, I tell you, those John Collins stats, 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 there we go. They are a bit staggering. Yeah, it's impressive. I mean, John Collins is a good piece, and I think uh, Alabama. Hold on, Dominic, Dominic, are you looking? Yeah. Are you looking at what twenty-two say, and then what twenty-five say? Oh no, I didn't. <laughs> apparently, I didn't apparently, while, uh, apparently, while we weren't watching the Hawks, John Collins turned a little stinky. <laughs> that's pretty bad, man. I think um, it gets worse with every with every players only meeting they have. I think that's what happens. The um the the new CBA, like understanding the impact of. Uh, the the aprons and how it impacts what you can move players for and understand that you're going to have to match up contracts. Like, the, it depresses the values of players. And it seems quite obvious that this is a way, and it's nothing new to CBA negotiations. Owners do not have control. And instead of actually gaining some control, reaching down and grabbing themselves and standing up and telling y'all what they want to do, they find ways to create rules that are biased against the players. 
So every CBA, there is going to be something, and it, inevitably, it always backfires on them at some point. I'm not sure how this one is going to, but it always does. Remember, they wanted people to have long contracts, backfired. Then they wanted people to have short contracts, backfired. They want max salaries, backfired. I don't know yet how this apron is going to backfire on you, but you cannot solve these problems by creating rules because you can't write a rule for every single situation. Sooner or later, you just got to do what it is that you got to do. So this is, I guess this is how it's going to backfire. People are going to have to trade talented players and get back a lump of and then they're going to be mad when they don't have no chance to, to build a winner. And then they're going to blame that on the players again, too, because that's what they always do. All these CBAs are about throughout the history of the NBA, especially the last 15, 20 years, are about litigating something that you cannot litigate. <laughs> these owners are not good at owning teams. Most of these owners are kind of dumb people and they're going to write dumb contracts no matter what the rules are and they're going to look at five years from now and say we wrote a bunch of dumb contracts how can we litigate against writing these dumb contracts but you cannot enforce lack of stupidity and that's just what is going to be running rampant with at least 18 of these teams and they're going to continue having bad contracts what we have now is a fire sale of bad contracts that are going to be replaced with more bad contracts in a couple years well, let me ask this question. One thing to always remember, though, about a bad contract is that it's never as bad as it looked like it's going to be in this moment because all the numbers wind up changing. The cap percentages wind up changing. It becomes something. I mean, Andrew Wiggins was right. a terrible contract until he found somebody that was willing to pay him $37 million a year to be a fourth option. Suddenly it wasn't a bad contract anymore, even though he was the exact same player on the exact same contract. <laughs> but what I think is going to be the backfire thing, Dominique, is this. The leverage that a superstar player has to force a trade is is still there right like oh, they could change the apron or anything else but when one of these dudes says get me out of here some of sometimes you can do like they did to kevin durant right sometimes you can be like nah you ain't going nowhere but if the dude's like look i ain't gonna sign at the end of next year you need to get me out of here right now you're still gonna have to get that dude out of here and now you're gonna have to get that dude out of there at lower prices yeah. because of the way that you set everything else up like the leverage that the superstar has now going into like the last two years of a contract is now if you think about it stronger than right. it had ever been before it's like yeah and you need to they can come and do the conversation behind closed doors like y'all need to trade me because as soon as I make it public that y'all need to trade me, my value goes down immediately. So I do think that it does shift the leverage there. As long as the players are as talented, talented as they are and have guaranteed contracts, there's really nothing that's holding them in a position. But I do think that it limits the places that they can go because I, I can't pretend like I'm fully up on this, but I do know that uh, the trades have to match equally money-wise. So it, at this point prior to this, you could find ways where like Kevin Durant went to the Suns and the money didn't match exactly. Things like that won't be able to happen anymore. So bigger contracts are going to be harder to move. So I think what's going to happen, the drawback for players is they're not going to be able to say, I'm going to this team. They're going to say, you have to trade me because if the team that they want to go to can't receive them, but I guess they could also yeah. just have their agent tell them to set it up so that you can receive. Yeah, but I'm also thinking about this too, as I was talking about the leverage thing, and I'm curious what you guys think about this. Some of these trades that we saw when these trade values got super high, like the Minnesota one, the thing that makes that one so interesting is that there was no player that you had to appease. Give a damn what Carl Anthony Towns <laughs> thinks. I sure as hell don't. I can't imagine Carl Anthony Towns coming in my office demanding anything. Man, I mean, laugh. But <laughs> they traded four first-round picks for him. But think about, like, the Drew Holiday trade, which came with all those first-round picks. That wasn't just about the value of Drew Holiday. It was yeah. about the value of Giannis feeling like you did something to get that player. Um, guys now 
the trade market kind of has to reset, right? Because the trade, trade market really got boosted up. Like the Paul George trade is a great example where it was way too much for Paul George, but it wasn't for Paul George. It was the trade you had to make to get Paul right. George and get Kawhi Leonard to sign. Now, how does this new trade market affect those sorts of situations or the teams that need to flex and demonstrate that they really care? How easily can they do that now? Or can they do it more easily now because the value of the pieces don't cost as much anymore? We'll see how it all plays. Oh, go ahead, David. Yeah, I actually think um, we were talking about the how many options you have. You Players may actually find they have a little bit more options because of the fact that you can – you don't need as much to win a championship, it seems like. It doesn't right. seem like you need, you're going to need to be at a three-superstar situation. Like, if Kevin Durant or Giannis or, you know, Steph or any of these top players want to go to a team with one other star – Right, because of the apron, because of the fact you can't stack these players. Now I can go to ten teams and turn them into a championship contender. Yeah, but what you're team. really going to need is a competent front office, because that's yeah. the thing about it. When right. you look yeah. at all the teams that have won championships, and maybe there's a measure of confirmation bias about this, because they are all the teams that won championships, right? Mm. right. But competent front office is the thing that players, I think, do not give nearly enough credence to when they make these decisions. And now you go look at Denver. That is a team of absurdly competent front office moves, mm, yeah. even though that team was largely built by the dude they gave up four first-round picks to get Rudy Gobert. Uh. I'll never understand it. But you go look at what's around. They got a steal in Michael Porter. He was an open-box special at, what, 14 in that draft because he got that wonky back, right? Mm. They got Jamal Murray at seven, I want to say, and that worked out. But then the rest of that the rest of that team is really good GMing. Yeah. The mm. whole uh. thing. Yeah, or, or luck. I mean, either way, but yeah, yeah, it pans out yeah. to be really good GMing because the Michael Porter thing is somewhat luck. The Jokic thing is somewhat luck. It's not like they're like, man, you know who this guy is? He's a two-time right. MVP. But the combination of pieces surrounding them, though, right. like the the profile that they clearly have for the guys right. that are around the rest of those players, that to me, that's the part that I'm talking about because you're yeah. right. They ain't, th- they ain't think that they got seven-foot Larry Bird, <laughs> right? Like they, 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 they didn't really think they would have traded up because somebody right. else would have had to see that, right? They didn't think I, that. I think you're right about the competent GM and, and how much um, more value it puts on the front office. But I also think that it pushes a lot of power behind the curtain into the hands of the agents. Because if these deals are going to be harder to mm. orchestrate, it's not going to be like, hey, who cares about blowing through the tax? You just got to pay a couple extra bucks. If now blowing through the tax means you have to pay four times what it is, which I think is at the highest point, it can get up over four and a quarter. If you have to play four times what you're paying over the cap to the rest of the owners to go over it, a uh, team's going to be less likely to do it. Yeah. So, By the way, I have to change my whole take on everything about this John Collins trade. If this trade is the one that puts the Hawks below the second apron tax level, sometimes you just got to do yeah. it. <laughs> got to do. Like, I, I, I understand this far better now than I had when we began this discussion. I thought somebody just hated John Collins. They just like, bruh, we too we sorry paint, to talk yeah. about the second. The last thing the Hawks can be doing in all their ingrained, innate DNA sorriosity is going over the second tax level so Trey Young can shoot you to 42 bad. wins. Yeah. So, I mean, my point is that over the long run, these are going to be harder to orchestrate. And in order to orchestrate things like this, you need buy-in from multiple players and multiple organizations. The people who facilitate those um, connections 
are agents, the people who the teams are most annoyed by right now. So I think that's going to be another unintended consequence. Y'all not going to be able to fix these problems just by um, bullying people. It's just going to be a problem. You're just pushing the problem around. Whack-a-mole is what Look, CBA negotiations is. They can't is. fix the fact that NBA basketball has five players on the court at one time, yep. and the best players play the vast majority of the minutes, and the very best players matter that damn much. Yep. They just do. Uh, a three-person uh, show makes this move a lot slower. I feel like we're not getting to some topics, which is all right with me. <laughs> um, well, let's get to this next one, because I think this one, again, similar themes. But we're going to talk about our beloved darlings, the Sacramento Kings here, because they've been rumored to be a team that's maybe going to mess with David's uh, beer punk partner, Steph Curry, and offer a huge contract to Draymond Green. Maybe they'll force... Damian Lillard out of the conference by overpaying Jeremy Grant. Maybe they'll do both. Maybe they'll sign and trade Harrison Barnes. Who knows? But they want to be aggressive. Do you think they're close? And how aggressive should this Sacramento Kings team be this summer? Close. So close in the NBA is different than it used to be. Uh, a lot of teams that I didn't think clo were close were suddenly very close. So, yeah, I think they should be as aggressive as they can be. I don't care nothing about nobody, no owners who, whose franchise values jump billions of dollars. I don't care about their pockets. So if you have to go over the cap, go over the cap. And if you're a team like the Kings that hasn't been competitive in a long time, I think when you have an opportunity to make a move, you make that move. But I'm not sure that these moves that they talk about is going to solve the problems that they think that they be having. The big solution to the problem is they need Sabonis to play like Sabonis. I don't know if it was injuries or if it was just being on the big stage, but that was the issue. The issue wasn't we need another piece, at least in the round that they lost to uh, the Warriors. It wasn't they need another piece. They needed their core piece to show up and, and not let Draymond Green take his lunch money. So here's the problem that the Kings have. I remember once when I was in graduate school, I was doing some homework in macroeconomics. I believe it was called dynamic programming. It was very, very difficult mathematics that you only did with letters. And I remember I went to visit the professor during office hours to ask for some help. And this man was not particularly well socially adjusted. And so without looking me in the eye as I explained to him my problem, he said to me, you are only off on one thing and that one thing is everything <laughs> sacramento's kind of in that place because their problem is they don't have that guy right and i don't think that sabonis playing up to his maximum potential necessarily fixes that like what i noticed about sabonis in the playoffs and i know he had like a busted up thumb or something like that that sounds mm -hmm. excruciatingly painful and makes it very hard to shoot a basketball but Sabonis puts up those like 60% field goal numbers like Jokic puts up 60% field goal numbers. The reason Jokic puts up 60% field goal numbers is because this dude can get a shot that he'll probably make, but instead of taking that, he's throwing an alley-oop to somebody else. So there's this whole space of maybe he makes it, maybe he doesn't shot that he doesn't take, but he turns them into other shots. Sabonis just doesn't take those shots. Like in the playoffs, unless he was 100% sure that he could that make bad. that shot or he would make that shot, he didn't put it up. And I don't feel like that's something that's going to wind up being cured, and I don't think that's something that's just a function of his hand. So what that means is your guy to carry you is a little guard, and I don't think that is the move to make. Like I don't think that works. Like they should be trying to go for it because they are not terribly far. The only thing they don't have is the rarest commodity in basketball, a superstar <laughs> caliber player. <laughs> 
every every player on that team is like a rung or two below where you need to be for a championship, right? Like Darren Fox is like a rung or two below the type of guard that you need to lead you to a championship. Sabonis is a rung or two below center that that is like two-way center rebound defense that can make an elbow jumper. The team that like none of these moves that they were talking about making seem to make that huge difference. What they'll probably end up with is Kuzma. That, that seems like the most logical thing they'll end up with Kyle Kuzma. Like there was a small window there where it seemed like Middleton would be somebody they could steal, but Middleton, I think, is heading back to Milwaukee. Like they're probably going to end up with Kyle Kuzma and, and there'll be everybody be praising the shrewd business move of um, unloading uh, the money for on draft night, but that's not going to move the needle. And what's really concerning is that this is probably as bad as the Western Conference is going to look for a while. Like these teams are going to get settled in. And this Kings team might be looking at five, six going into the playoffs um, next season. I have a hot take. Oh, here we go. I am 42 years old and the Kings have been good for five or six (laughs) years of my life. The period when they were good was really, really memorable. So it jumps out a little farther, Mm -hmm. but otherwise they have been sorry my whole life. Why are we talking about them in championships? They are the number three seed last year. If they are consistently competitive, that could be a very enjoyable thing, and we don't need to chastise them if they don't win a championship. Make your team as good as you can. Go ahead and do what you can. But if they don't win a championship, honestly, it's not the biggest deal in the world. The example I use all the time is them grit and grind Grizzlies. It would have been cool if they won a championship, but it ain't like they failed when they didn't. They played for the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies have basically been (laughs) sorry forever. Good for you, Sacramento. You good now? You should go hard. Try to get better, but you know, smoke the beans, y'all ain't about to win nothing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair point. And Sacramento is not a free agent destination. It reminds me, sorry for the second time to bring up your um, your uh, grad school experience, but it reminds me of saying it's in California. Don't mean it's in the California you imagine. <laughs> take, take your <laughs> to Sacramento, and you're not gonna feel like you in California. I learned that lesson. <laughs> yeah, that 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 feel awfully Midwesty in Sacramento, <laughs> but. Um, I think all, every the points you guys are making are fair. My point on Sabonis is we don't know what they are. Like, I think that they were good enough to beat the Warriors. I think they were good enough to get to the second, to the, to the next round. What they could do and what they need is hard to tell because the regular season don't mean nothing. So, like, when we see them tested in that, in that, uh, in the playoffs, then we find out, like, oh, how close is this team really, how close are they really? And we don't know how close they are because – Sabonis, for whatever reason, didn't want to be that guy. So I think you're probably right. They don't have a superstar. They're not going to get a superstar because as we've been outlining through the course of this show, the superstars have lots of power and get to pick where they want to go. Name me someone who's ever said, you know where I want to go? Sacktown. Hey, man, let's just say that Sabonis was playing well and they won that series against the Warriors and then they beat the Lakers and then they got to play against the Nuggets. You know what they would have called that? little something I like to call white on white crime. That's what would have happened if the if the Kings would have played against the Nuggets. Um, they would have been all kinds of people on all the networks just killing Jokic for white on white crime. It'd be your own people. You know what I'm saying? How, like like how y'all ever gonna have any measure of solidarity? They both from old not not the same old country, but yeah. places people call the old country. They both from over there, and Jokic would have had that dude looking like he was trying to fold that fitted sheet, just overwhelmed, <laughs> lost in God, like. They don't have a. They don't have the guy, and you can't win a championship without having the guy. But you could be a very enjoyable small market team, even in a big market. You could play for the Knicks. 
And you ain't got to have the like the Knicks don't have the guy that can win a championship, but they love Jalen Brunson. He's enjoyable. It's fun every time the Knicks are kind of good. Yeah, we we need to need to take that lane as the um, Damian Lillard lane. We need to promote that. You don't got to win a championship. Have fun. Be good. Alan De- De- De'Aaron Fox is going to be, you know, never going to pay for a meal in Sacramento. Way to go. He's going to be H-Town. Oh, H-Town, oh, H-Town, H-Town, by the way. H-Town. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why would he want to eat? In, I mean, there ain't no restaurants Damn. there. That's like. Damn, oh, dog. I mean, there's got to be some good restaurants. They got the state government there. The governor got to have somewhere to go. No, he got a helicopter. Fair. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> you, said, you said the governor got a condo in San Francisco? What you think? <laughs> you think the governor spending his his summer breaks? It's, I'm sorry, Sacramento. I'm sure there's some nice things there. Maybe. I've never who been. Gonna, who so going who gonna have a hard who gonna have a harder time? Darren Fox find a good meal in Sacramento, or John Collins adjusting from Atlanta to uh, no, I don't. South, South I don't even think those two things are close. Like I can't think of anything more. I I moved from Atlanta to that kind of California that ain't what you thought it was. I thought I was moving to Los Angeles. In fact, I was moving to Claremont and I landed in Ontario and I immediately recognized this is not <laughs> Los Angeles, right? That was my move from Atlanta and I was broke. John <laughs> Collins in Salt Lake City, that's just, like I say, man, I just need to feel like at least y'all thought about what this was going to do to me before y'all did it, right? <laughs> and you got to do what you got to do, but at least make me feel like you understood that like this really wasn't cool. Uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm fine with banging on all these cities, but my question is, Sacramento, it's a it's a quick flight somewhere. That's how they uh, sold Chris Webber on it. Quick, Salt Lake, uh, quick flight to L.A. Salt Lake City. I don't. I mean, where's where are you flying to? Vegas. John Collins better better get used to eating stuffing. They call it stuffing there. It's They'll a it's a it. it's a Delta hub. Oh, brats, all that. Better get into skiing and and drinking soda. I, I know, do something. He might be. He went to Vanderbilt. I'm sure he's played all kinds of reindeer games. You know what I mean? Like, like he, like you know, I mean, he might not want to do it all the time. I mean, but it's he, Nashville. He's, hey, he's done, Nashville. He's done some cultural outreach. David Dennis was over there at Davidson. He's definitely uh, saying "Sweet Caroline" at the bar. Learning <laughs> absolutely. Uh, to be fair, it was, oh, it was way, Wake Forest. Good times, difference. Never- Oh, it's Wake Forest, my bad. Oh, Wake Forest. They are yeah. the exact. They are the exact same school. Yep. Except Vanderbilt <laughs> is actually in a major city. <laughs> Wake Forest is not. Uh, major, huh? Compared to Winston, yeah. Yeah. compared to Winston, yeah. but 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 counterpoint. Wake is in Winston. Winston Salem State is also in Winston. A and T is right up the street. Ooh. Carolina Central State, oh, Duke, yeah. not far right. away. Also, you right. can do worse than going to school at Wake Forest, but they are same colors, same role in their yeah. conference, yeah, same everything. <laughs> That's how, that's how you survive. You got to find that nearby HBCU. Shout out to Livingstone <laughs> College, Johnson C. Smith. Wow, y'all <laughs> got a brother through Charlotte. Wow, Liv- y'all Livingst. Okay, I have. I'll tell you a Livingstone story later. <laughs> oh, I have. I have multiple. Oh, we could do a whole Livingstone thirty minutes of the. I just. I just got one, and it's a doozy. <laughs> oh man, I don't think we play the music on this show, but. Woo! <laughs> we will talk about it after the show. Alabaster, we got time for some games? Yeah, a couple quick hitters here. Um, Going to pivot to football. What are the chances that Derek Carr is oversharing? So Derek Carr is out here tweeting about his wife's tears, and that's turned him against the Raiders after they benched him. Um, 100? Like, I, I mean, I don't have a problem with him sharing as much as – I have a problem with that being his response. It just all seems kind of weird as he was out on that team as soon as they benched him. 
not because he was offended that they benched him or not because he thought that he was better than their options or not because he felt slighted because they made his wife cry. And Derek Carr seems like a really good guy, like a really genuine person who like wears the Christianity stuff on his sleeve in such a way that it makes him a good person, whereas some people um, use it as a sword. He like really, it seems to be a true pillar to make him a good person. So I feel bad being critical of Derek Carr. However, that ain't no reason to, to have a business animosity because somebody made your, your wife cry. Well, I'm going to go 100% on the overshare before a slightly different reason, okay? Now, Dominique, you are a professional football player. You, you know, had people who loved you when you were playing professional football. You've suffered injuries and those things. And I imagine at some point in that, those things made some of the people in your life cry, right? I'm guessing that Derek Carr has suffered injuries at points that his wife saw on television that probably made her cry. He ain't quit then, <laughs> right? He ain't say he was out on football because football made his life cry, made his wife cry. He didn't do that. Come on, man. You was out on the Raiders coincidentally right at the same time that they were <laughs> out on you. It is amazing how it works out that way. Where just somehow, you know, you were just about to tell me that you were done with me. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Come on. This feels like 0% oversharing, 100% cap. This feels like one of the <laughs> things you say yeah, that's fair. when you are trying to uh, ingratiate yourself, make the Raiders look bad, look like a good husband, be the super Christian dude. I'm standing for my wife. That's why I left. And that's why I did this, because you made my wife cry. No, nah, man, you were gone because, like Bomani said, you were gone because you had no choice. They did well, not want you there. Well, you there, there is also a possibility that he was encouraged to not want to go there anymore after this crying took place by the crier in question. In which case, <laughs> in which case, I don't know if that's exactly what happened. But if it is what happened, then, yep, that is the story that we're going to tell. <laughs> that's fair. That's exactly go. the story. <laughs> I, I've been won over, and and I guess I can apply the same uh, respect that I did to Damian Lillard is as we are in a content desert. No, it is never oversharing. Give me something to talk about, Derek Carr. Did they make any other your family members cry? I, I don't know. I think the fact of the matter is you made the point, Bomani, that people in my career, things have happened that made people around me upset. The fact of the matter is I'm the most upset. It's me. I don't even get to know how mad my mama is because I'm pissed that y'all went and traded for Dre Bly when I'm supposed to be the starting quarterback opposite Champ Bailey. I'm upset because y'all want to trade me to sorry Atlanta in my contract year. I don't got to call my wife, girlfriend at the time and be like, how you feel about this, baby? <laughs> they, they told me to pack my and go to Atlanta after Mike Vick went to jail. I was furious. I didn't need to find nobody else's anger. They did that to me, to me. They was, crying with you, they was crying with you after you got all them picks that year, though, but it was a oh, different kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tears of joy. Tears <laughs> of joy. Thanks, Mike, for trading me down there. Got that check. Appreciate you, Mike. I'm sorry that I got upset. I'm just, I'm just imagining Derek Carr's wife as, like, the uh, wife in Jerry Maguire, who was, like, uh, Rod Tidwell's wife, who was, like, fighting people when he was watching the games, like, being all dramatic. Like, that's that's the picture that we're getting of his wife. Like, that's, that's, what, we're, that's what we're envisioning, no? Um. I feel like I've seen pictures of his kids, so I know it's not the exact same wife. <laughs> but now I'm wishing that it was because I could totally right. see that too. That man stayed with a, with a fresh line. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. Like, like he could have, yeah. he might be on the Dirk Nowitzki fall plate program, or he could have oh. been right. If a couple of things that just broke a little bit different. 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I had the Travis the, Kelsey code switch program. <laughs> I had the um, the trade rumors floating around me, and and I and the coach called me in the office to tell me that it wasn't real. And so that was the first season, and then my third season in training camp, uh, there was no rumors, but the people asked me, the media people was like, um, "How many teams do you think that you could start on?" was the question they asked me in the locker room in the NFL. And my answer was 32. I got traded the following week. <laughs> I mean, y'all, y'all, this is this is a point that uh, being a young dude is a problem because I know Bomani would have told me at that time, sometimes it's okay to lie. Yeah, but, yeah. I, honestly, though, I feel like the right answer to that question should have been 32, right? Like, there you go. Like, you were like, there you okay, go. like, hold on. I, like, I can't answer this off the top of my head. The only answer off the top of my head is 32. Yeah, I mean, what else am I supposed to say? 31, except for this one, because I'm technically not starting? No, the answer is 32. And if that gets me shipped to uh, Flowery Branch, so damn be it. Later, Gators. They ain't even really know it louder, boy. You was out yeah, there. Yeah, you yeah, was yeah. just out. You was up 85. Yeah, we had we had to do a long ride to get to the Shake Clubs. It was, it was not. I mean, Pink Pony was out there. But... There's Shake Clubs in Atlanta? Mm-mm. That's told me No, I said like, shake, I go... shake, like like in um, Salt Lake City, you just get a milkshake. It's a milkshake. Okay, okay, yeah, okay, gotcha. All right.